Welcome to the Investor Shed Podcast with Nick Beveridge, the ultimate source for all things investing and beyond. For free tools, tips, and tricks, go to NorthIdahoREI.com. Today's episode features Matt Bolas. Matt is a rock star lender from one of the largest private capital firms in the area. Nick and Matt talk about how investors can get construction and development loans, personal growth, and much more. Stay tuned. All right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Matt Bolas. Nick Beveridge. How are you? Fucking, I'm excellent today. Thank you. Glad so to So, Matt Bolas, you are a... Uh, your new how lender. Would you, how would you describe your, your job or your career, whatever you want to call it? You know, it's funny because... Um, <laughs> so you're pretty damn good at it. I spent about uh, 10 years in management and entrepreneurship, and uh, I never thought I'd be a sales guy. Before any of this happened, you know, and, and somebody will call me a sales right now, somebody will call me a manager, whatever you want to do. Uh, my dad was spent 30 years in sales, my sister uh, 15 years in sales. I was the black sheep. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't ever to go into that industry. Mm-hmm. But this one's interesting because I get to run the entire side of a state. And so, um, you know, yes, I'm originating new loans and that kind of thing. But I also get to create relationships with every single borrower, keep in yeah. touch with them, walk sites. I'm just gonna move this a little closer. To Sorry. You. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> I'm still oh. leaning back. <laughs> no, that's okay. You can lean back. <laughs> so. It's very, very similar to my roles in management. Um, you know, it's, uh, I don't care what you call it, it's, it's managing a, a, you know, a system, which is one of my specialties, so I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So the company that you work with or for, work with, for? Are you part owner at all? Uh, for. For? No, I definitely work for them. Yeah. <laughs> Large company. Stock, but, so I guess yeah. that's yeah, ownership, but. So Broadmark Capital. Yeah. And um, they manage over a billion dollars in funds, right? That yeah, they 1.375 and some change. I Last time I kept track. And uh, they, they niche in development loans, right? Construction development loans, yeah. So we're talking okay. about uh, doing the heavy lifting on construction projects. And what's, um, what's an average loan? For me or for anybody? For just in general that your company does or focuses on? You know, I'm kind of one of those guys that focuses really, really heavily on my area. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I would have an average loan of anywhere from two to four million, but that includes a lot of loans under a million because those are some of the guys I like to work with the best. Yeah. Um, kind of figuring out where to start and kind of excel from there. Um, I'm probably one of the few guys in Broadmark that's going to say that. Um, I'm the only originator that doesn't have a major metropolitan area in his region. So... You know, everybody else you talk to is going to have uh, a very large city in their region, and therefore much larger loans. Yeah, how many how many states are you guys in? Don't quote me. I think it's twelve. <laughs> About twelve states. Yeah. Okay. I can name them off for you if you'd like, but I'll miss a couple. Yeah. And you guys recently got on the New York Stock Exchange, or we did. Yeah, we sold uh, um, to not sold. Sorry, excuse me. We merged. Um, in November 15th of 2019, um, we were Pipe Broadmark okay. uh, Management. Wasn't too long ago. No, it was, uh, <laughs> seven months ago, uh, crazy enough. Um, it was a, I, again, don't know much about it, but a very advantageous move for the company. Lots of super positive things that happened as a result of that for our borrowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I kept out of it for the most part. Um, so I quote unquote have people for you to talk to if you'd like to. Um, hear about the stock um, um, part of that system but what it did for me was um, it, it really allowed us to kind of broaden our, our, our horizons just even more than we already had and uh, and focus on um, you know c- uh, continuing the growth of our expansion in this region nice so um, so you just gave me a loan for almost a million dollars thank yes. you thank you for that you're welcome <laughs> I, and I we don't really you, know you. <laughs> just kidding that's not very my first money. loan too it's not my money <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I, I mean that's I, I thought it was amazing the way we were able to structure that because I mean I had very I don't know if you want to go into depth about how most investors if they want to get into new construction how they should structure you know themselves or that, how much money they can expect to put down or what they need to contribute to get a loan um, do you want to talk on that at all sure like absolutely if anything you'd the like average to... the inve- I guess the investor should have a little bit of experience right or do you guys take people that are brand new you know 
so the, the the shorter question to what Broadmark does 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 do is what it doesn't do. It doesn't do loans that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. So you could come to me. Um, let's take your loan for example. Now I guess it's my turn to ask you some permissions. Um, sure. Um, to go into you, a I'm little a, bit of total detail. open book. You know, you, how many loans have you closed to build new construction homes in in, in your lifetime? None. None. Right. So it's it's a well, and I got an FHA loan on my house, but that was a. That right. was not me. As it was a big builder, you know, just a yeah in town where you just sit down and pick it, pick out your finishings and. But it had nothing to do with me being in the building process. Yeah, this is your first. <laughs> yeah. This is your first system with Broadmark. So to answer your question, absolutely, we do loans with guys. It's our first time. Mm-hmm. We got your loan closed in record time. Now, um, do I do I do I get to boast as Broadmark for that? Um, a little bit. Ninety percent of it was you guys. Um, I asked you to jump. You asked me how high. I asked you to jump repeatedly. You asked me how many times. I mean, it was like the, the, the it's, it's a system of, of time being money. And uh, you came to me and said, you know, all the things out of the way. Uh, we have we deal with a lot of ego in our in our industry. You know that very well, being in the industry for many, many years. Yeah. Lots of ego, so, right? Uh-huh. I can build this. I don't know why you need me to do a GC. I've done like, I've sold 10 houses. I can build a house. You know, you hear all kinds of weird stuff, but you guys didn't come with any of that. It was, we're looking to get this project done. We've researched this area very heavily. We're bringing in the land free and clear. We're doing all these things that we think a lender would like. Yeah. Um, it's just common sense. The reason your loan was closed so quickly was because it, you guys were such a delight to work with. Um, um, it, it, loans can close it's in a slower time, and people are still a delight to work with. It took me a, quite a bit longer, but I just closed a, a 78 lot unit uh, development uh, project in Ponderay, Idaho. Um, had nothing to do with how much of a delight they were to work with because they're they're some of my favorite people on the face of the planet. But there's yeah. some acquisition dollars, there was some development dollars, and we're in the middle of my first global pandemic at, at going on 38 years old, right? So mine for mine too. Yeah, right. So you know we, we were here. Yeah. Cheers, cheers yeah, to our first cheers global pandemic. You know, funny. So this, this is, is made in Pottery. Beer. This is made in the uh, oh, no town way. that you just did a loan in. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. What's the IPA from Laughing Dog? Because there's a good one. They're like, went Trails like, End, maybe? Maybe. We got a bunch of that. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting because I've heard of Laughing Dog way back when I was in Missoula, Montana. And uh, I'm excited to see it's from Pondere, Idaho. Yeah. Anyways. So our, uh, an agent on our team, uh, uh, Caitlin Kristinak, she's a manager at Laughing Dog. So she's always hooking us up with good deals. <laughs> good dented can deals. Good dented love, can deals. I love to see it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's great. Yeah. Broadmark's weird, um, and I mean that in the best possible way. It's it's a it's it's a huge company as far as um, as far as the amount of uh, capital that uh, my bosses and and the people that are above me have amassed. But we operate like a couple three guys sitting at a table on a Friday afternoon with a couple hundred grand to spend. I mean, it has everything to do with how we feel about things. Yeah. Um, whether or not we think the people that are borrowing money from us can get the job done. There's so much deliberation and common sense um, to what I do that I don't think I could do with any other company but Broadmark. Yeah. Well, I was pretty impressed going through the whole application process because it, it almost felt like I was getting a normal loan. But you only ask for the essential stuff and things, common sense things that my banker, when I get a conventional loan, they don't always ask for like, hey, tell us a little bit about your, <laughs> the deals that you've done. Right. right. <laughs> they don't care about that. Right. They just care about your DTI. <laughs> right. But um, no, it was, it was it was actually a pleasure going through that. It wasn't it wasn't bad at all. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of guys that, that, that say they do what we do and they don't. But there's a lot of guys that do exactly this. They're just a smaller scale. I think that uh, one of the Broadmark's biggest boasting points is they've been able to grow as rapidly as they have and still keep that feel of, you know, a, a hard money lender with some soul added to the project. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So, well, I just think it's incredible that, you know, it, it would have taken me a long time to save up a million dollars, but we were able to piece it all together within just a few months with, I think I had 15,000 of my own cash into it. <laughs> you know, my, my, um, my dad taught me a lot of little, things yeah. and he told me that, uh, when he was building houses, he said, you know, I was young when he started to build houses. He said, uh, I'll, I'll make it very easy for you. Building a house is 10 headaches. And, uh, if you can build another house after you're done with the first and you can make it eight headaches, then you're good. And then if the mm-hmm. third house, you can make it six headaches 
then you're doing great and 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 you know so you get you get the picture mm-hmm. so i think what what you really figured out with broadmark and what a lot of my current customers have figured out is that the finance side of a construction or development project of any kind is a headache and it will always be a headache if you try and switch find the best deal and everything like that oh yeah um, but um, but money is is a is as a, a product just as much as the lumber that you choose or the tiles on the roof that you choose they're all products and so if you choose to buy a nice pair of boots then you're gonna you know, they're gonna last longer mm-hmm. and that's really what it comes down to yeah no I, I I'm just appreciative of what you guys were able to do because and, and you're even spot on with the estimating the fees way back then when we met in that coffee shop um, because I, I, I remember plugging those into my, my spreadsheet at the time and then adding a little bit extra because we got another lot under contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was only like two grand off with what it ended up coming up to be with, with all of Because I didn't know until the day we were closing what the fees were. Right. <laughs> but it was $2,000 better than I thought it'd be. <laughs> so that was... That wasn't too bad. That was great. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no junk fees in there at all. It was just the two main <laughs> things. So anyway, beyond that, what what got you started? And because um, you were a teacher before this, right? Yeah. So I have a, a BFA in ceramic technology. Believe it or not, I'm a studio um, potter, and I also have a BA in art education, both from the University of Montana at Go Grizz. And uh, so. I, I finished that in 2009. I used to boast prior to that of never applying for a job I didn't get. My dad raised me well. He made me put a suit on to apply for a job at Kinko's when I was 16 <laughs> years old. Um, but uh, that year, I applied for um, 56 positions. I got seven interviews and zero offers because it was in the middle of the worst economic crisis that America had seen in quite a while. And Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that had previously retired early, et cetera, et cetera. Not to make the story too long, but everybody had to go to back to work, right? So yeah. I'm going up against people with 15, 20 years teaching experience. And I'm this new kid, you know, pushing my glasses up against my face every couple of minutes, um, trying to get a job. So was that back 08, 09? 09, yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember and, uh, I went to, um, at that time, I went to go to work as a, a car salesman with no experience at a new Chevy Chrysler dealership. There you they go. both went bankrupt within a few months of me working oh, no. there, but still made it work. Right. The dealership yeah, stayed open. <laughs> Just, and it's, it's all about yeah. how you make it work, right? Um, mm-hmm. I decided I wasn't going to um, continue chasing a dream that didn't have a, a financial backing at the moment. I knew I could always come back to it. And then life happened, you know, so I ended up taking a few management positions um, and uh, found myself about four years later working on a commercial construction project in Missoula, Montana. Now, Broadmark doesn't uh, land in Montana yet. Don't get me wrong. That's on my list of to do mm-hmm. things, but um, we're not You want there to drive yet. more? <laughs> yeah, I want, I, want, I want Montana. I want to drive through Montana as part of my job. That would be a wonderful thing. But I'm a Montana boy. I got a lot of family over there. Um, I found myself wanting to find a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I built and sold a couple of companies, and I wanted to build a sandwich shop and an art gallery, I was being real hippie, I was like, man, this is this is what I need to do, right? I yeah. need to live in the, the place where I went to college and do this. And the building I wanted to do it in was downtown Missoula, and had been sitting for years without a for sale sign on it or anything. So I did some nerdy homework, and in Montana, it, it is homework, so you know, Washington is different, Idaho is very similar to Montana. Finding who owns the, the, the building is, is not as easy as it looks. Yeah. Um, so uh, I ended up, long story short, being 50% partner in the renovation of that exact building inside of a few weeks. And uh, Jeff Pyatt knew my father really well. And uh, so he started to mentor me on that project. And um, not to toot his horn, I'm sure he'll never listen to this, but um, you know, this guy has uh, every minute of his day is very, very valuable. And yet here he was at 8.30 in the morning, um, every Monday morning, um, calling me or me calling him and exercise, you know, running exercises on how this building is going to get built and what I haven't thought about. He spent sometimes an hour on the phone with me making sure I was doing it right. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't making a dime on anything. It all, it all had to do with him. He lined somebody up to, to fund this project. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get over the fact that this was happening. So um, long story short, I ended up coming back to Washington to be closer to my family, and I asked him for a job. Nice. And he gave one to me. So. And that was we, one of the original owners? 
Uh, he is the uh, owner. The, so it was, Pi- it was Pyatt, Broadmark, Pyatt Broadmark Management until uh, November of 2019. Okay. Uh, him and Joe Shockin um, and uh, a variety of other people. Brian Graff uh, was his partner um, from when I started in 2016 to 2019. Okay. And uh, we went public, and now Jeff's the CEO. Brian's my vice president, and Joe is very, very important. I don't know what his title is. <laughs> and also one of the best guys I've ever met. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. I I didn't know that. Yeah. So, okay. So um so for the last four years, um you've been uh, have you been in kind of the same position, giving out uh, construction loans mostly or development loans? Yeah. Um I started off as uh you know just here let me give me some cards with my name on them. Let me go you know spread the good word. I had a full time job. I was run, I was a director of a before and after school advanced learning program for rich nerdy kids in South Richland uh-huh. um, and uh, love them to death um, but that's what I was doing and and I said this is not a full-time job right now if you don't have a single loan closed in Eastern Washington you know both you know it came from Jeff he's like it's gonna take you a while to get going so we started very slow um, kind of a slow grand opening and then um, just started to pick up rather quickly as you know this is a, a very very great place to uh, invest your capital in real estate and um, we're there's a lot of advantageous things happening in eastern Washington and northern Idaho that um, that make us uh, um, insusceptible uh, wrong terminology that makes us uh, um, almost bulletproof to the things that are happening in in other places and that usually has to do with inventory and the lack thereof so you and your company probably have a really good graphs on the market in general right and and certain locations um if you had to guess which which region of the u.s would you say is like probably going to be the most solid as far as uh growth goes for the next foreseeable future uh, granted there's going to be recessions and- <laughs> there's going to be recessions regardless national but like if there's if there's any true opportunity like is there any kind of unrecognized opportunity, in your opinion, of a location in the Northwest or Southwest or um, that you feel uh, Broadmark is like always given kind of a green light <laughs> in yeah. certain locations? You know, and this is going to sound like a lot of bias, and so I will just kind of premise it with that. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, where we are right now, um, is being looked at nationally by many, many firms. Northwest? Uh, not just the Pacific Northwest, but primarily the Spokane, North Idaho, and Tri-Cities regions. Okay. Um, we've got some great regions. Um, one of our rock star uh, loan originators um, out of the Mountain West region, which is uh, Colorado, Utah, and Texas. Um, he's, um, I think we have Texas because of him. Brad, if that's not true, I'm sorry. Um, but there's uh, you know fantastic um, opportunities in those places as well we have a southeast region which is florida georgia i think the carolinas and tennessee and how, um, how are those markets doing you any idea not sure not okay. sure but i could send you in the right direction but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're doing very well we've closed a number of loans in the middle of covid down there as well oh okay um so things are doing well there's also an incredible team you know i say that about every region we have because i just got to be real with you broadmark is very good at hiring great people but bringing this back to the people who are probably listening to this uh there was a Vero's um, um, report uh, when things were starting to hit the fan and in the I don't know if you ever saw that or maybe you I sent, sent it to you. me yeah a couple weeks into like the lockdown yeah. of COVID things and I was I was pretty nervous and then I saw that report and that kind of helped relieve some anxiety yeah and there's because about- I I had worked in Orlando as a real estate agent when the market was at its worst <laughs> really and uh, I was always expecting another recession to come eventually. Right. And when I, and the way Gary Keller was talking, you know, just as COVID was hitting and it like, it, they're, they're all just saying, okay, this is it. It's downhill from here. Right. Um, and I kind of forgot that, you know, weather isn't nationwide. It's local. <laughs> sure. Um, Not just weather, but again, going back to, you know, getting down to the brass tacks of the situation. And this happened to me and, and helped me very much. Like, again, I owe everything to my dad and what I'm about to say, but if you look at an entire pie and somebody says eat the pie 
you're going to look at it very dauntingly. But if somebody cuts it up and says, eat some pie, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it's very exciting. And <laughs> it doesn't matter what the pie is, unless you hate it. Now, my mom's yeah. into sour cream and raisin pie. So if you cut that up and said, eat some, I'll say, no, thanks. But Sour um, cream and raisin? Yeah, it's not. That's it's, a thing? It's a thing. Oh. Uh, my grandmother made it. And uh, if my mom ever listened to this, she'd wallop me on the head for making fun of it. But... <laughs> My I point like sour cream and onion chips, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which are great. Yeah. My point is, is that uh, look at things as they pertain to you, right? So you're worried about, um, you know, the the market's going bad. Okay, we're doing this. Well, what what kind of uh, products do I work with that are resilient to bad markets? And what happened to these things? And rather than looking at things from the big picture, which I think that our entire society is very, very guilty of, especially that the, the more people are wealthy, uh, the more they, they kind of forget about the details. So yes, real estate blank is doing bad or something like that. Um, I'm, and again, I'm speaking out, you know, I'm shooting from the hip because I don't pay attention to those broad blanket terms. I want to yeah. look at like what's going on in my region what did not affect, what was not affected, um, what was affected. Uh, think about ways that I can uh, create value to a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ran a detail shop and that's what it was. I was detailing like high-end cars in Portland and these are the same rules I used with that, right? As a teacher running an art, you know, a pottery class, how can I create value to this situation, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's a simple idea. Um, you're going to have problems with um, certain kinds of real estate that uh, would sit if the market takes a dive, right? So what kind of products sit when the market takes a dive? Unfinished new construction. Unfinished new construction, high-end anything, yeah, high end right? Mm-hmm. So in a great market, you go and build uh, $750,000 construction budget homes that are selling for $1.6 million, $1.8 million. God, those are great numbers, aren't they? But the second that that yeah. hard money, hard money, until loaded, those buyers go away, yeah, the buyers <laughs> go away. And now all of a sudden your home's done and it's been sitting for seven months and you're paying a monthly interest rate. So how much of that profit are you eating up by having that home set of all of it pretty quick, all of it or more than all of it, which is where yeah. horrible situations um, happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so think about that when you're getting into something in a great market, don't try and take advantage of it. Try and stick with those products that would be great in a bad market. Sure, you might yeah. make less per product. You know, you guys are a great example of that. You went into a market with a really great cost per square foot, right? Did you guys choose to build a cost product of seven hundred thousand dollars that could sell for a million point two? No. No. Did, could you have done them. that right now and sold those homes? Mm, I mean, it's it's not proven. So. Not proven, but you could have, right? Maybe. You're in an area. You're yeah. on one of the most beautiful lakes. Again, biased. You're, yeah. you're in a very beautiful area. You're on a beautiful lake. Um, your, your, your proximity to that lake, even where you were building, was, you know, what, a short, you know, a three-minute drive, yeah. if not a 12-minute walk or, yeah. or a five-minute bike ride. It's right? a community of water. You can come in yeah. and say, I can build whatever I want. Somebody's going to buy it here. And you would have been right. But you chose, even in a good market, and you know we closed your loan in the middle of COVID, and I understand that, but COVID will eventually go away, probably mostly by the time you guys finish construction. Um, you chose to to create to build something that was, in my what I what I like to call recession resilient. Now I don't want anybody to use that term without saying <laughs> I said it because Broadmark didn't say that. Matt Bullis yeah. said that, right? But recession resilient means it's a product that something bad could happen. And somebody's still trying to move to this region and buy a $400,000 house. You know, a 1,700 yeah. square foot, 3-2 house is going to go for the, whatever the market goes for, no matter what happens, because there's no inventory. Yeah, and inventory's so been on our side. Very COVID, smart move for you guys. Um, you know, we weren't anticipating, but COVID really helped with our market, as if it didn't need enough help. <laughs> right. um, Why do you think it helped? It just Not to put you on the spot, but... Well, we, so I'm also a real estate agent and we get buyer leads um, and we've never had this many leads come, come in from out of state of people that want to get out of California or get out of Washington. And it's just, I mean, it's just looking like uh, the walking dead over there or whatever, (laughs) you know, it's, (laughs) it's apocalyptic. They they think a lot of people think, you know, this, these are um, extremely bad times and we need to go to a safe haven. And that safe haven is North Idaho in a lot of cases. 
Um, and, you know, the locals just kind of are privy to it or they, they don't, you know, they just enjoy living up here, but they don't realize just how, how restricted it can be in other areas um, or where we just, I don't know, we're, during the middle of COVID when we had a lockdown and they, they forced all the businesses that are non-essential to shut down or that are non-essential, yeah, shut down. I saw the same amount of traffic every day to work. Yeah, Traffic didn't slow down. I mean, there's this Wiggs place that was still open. This little flower shop was still open. I mean, they, up here, and, and, the, and my um, neighbor is a police officer, and he said, yeah, we're not gonna do anything about that. It's unconstitutional. Yeah. And it's just, it's just the um, people generally in this area are, uh, they take freedom first before fear. Sure. And they allow people to take their own risk for the most part. Right. <laughs> Where in other areas, maybe people don't appreciate being told what to do as much. And that's what's causing them yeah. to come here in just a mass scale. I mean, we put, we'll put we put a lead on Facebook and where we hit, would normally get maybe four leads on Facebook, you know, pre-COVID. Right. Um, over the course of a listing being on the market for a couple of weeks we might get sometimes we got 70 in one day one no morning way. once <laughs> really i mean we're we've gotten hundreds of leads just in the last month right. hundreds um and i that's just one way to predict you know what's what's happening here and uh the the inventory levels have not they they haven't changed like in other areas um Inventory is still really hard to come by. Any house under price under three hundred thousand in Kootenai County right now is just selling either off market or the first day. Sure, <laughs> it's um, it's becoming really hard for people that have lived here for a while that just have a normal job to even afford a house. Right, just because you have so much money from outside outside the state, if people use they're used to paying higher prices on real estate, they're just coming here and they're just buying whatever they want. Absolutely. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's, the appreciation is still just being pushed to its limits and pushed to its limits every year. Yeah. The last few years. So, um, but that's, I don't know, what can you do other than service people? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I make jokes whenever I, uh, so Pondere is a great example. Um, one of the, so I don't know um, if it's okay. I think the guys will be okay with me talking about this, but uh, we closed the loan with uh, Jay Humble and Rick Decker of Appraisal Associates yeah. in Sandpoint, Idaho, and uh, and with help from George Hansen, who's a, a prolific uh, um, you know, a, a real estate developer, uh, many years experience, and uh, we you know Rick and I walked through a property with ponderosas and and tamarack tree stands just beautiful gorgeous uh stands and it was back in the fall as i'm sure from north idaho you're familiar that the tamarack is the one coniferous tree that uh loses its leaves or loses its needles uh in the fall and so uh, if you're in a tamarack stand and you look down the entire uh you know the the um, pathway that you're on or anything like that has this gorgeous golden color of tamarack yeah. needles and we just made our joke you know he's a montana grizz boy so we, we connected pretty fast and and uh the idea of us being the guys that are going to turn this beautiful stand into houses um you know from a thirty thousand foot perspective oh this sucks right but we don't get to help we don't get to we don't get to uh, choose how quickly americans procreate yeah right so the fact is the people are are, are are you know our population is rising at an exponential rate people are moving to certain areas at an exponential rate these are things we can't handle yeah. so let's find that we can't we but can't we can affect. help by building houses but we can affect we can help them we can help yeah. and if it's not smart guys like you and me and rick and jake that are making these things happen then it's going to be some dumb idiot that's making it happen they're not going to do it better you know they're not yeah. they're going to do it worse Right. Yeah. So it's better to have people that think about, gosh, this is a beautiful place, but let's make sure that we get to keep some of these trees. Uh, Rick and Jake are a great example. They're that entire development that they're creating. They've got green spaces and walking paths and That's good. They're keeping literally as many trees as they're they're able to keep. I really got to go check out that neighborhood because I know we were interested in buying a couple lots. If we could, Come up with me on Friday. We'll go, Friday? We'll go on Friday. Up? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because we're going to put the boat in on Pondy for the first time. Uh, what the first what time frame are you going up? Uh, I'll be there about 3. Okay. So I'll give you a shout. Okay. We'll get, we'll get it figured out. I forgot what I'm doing Friday. And I'm bringing some champagne, so, you know, don't do anything <laughs> afterwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> champagne. Point what are you doing with champagne? These, you know, because these guys did such a great oh, job. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for them to get done. Just like I'm excited for you guys to build in Dover. Um, North Idaho Don't you need cigars family. for that? <laughs> I should. You're right. I should get some cigars. Are they cigars. bringing their wives? Yeah. <laughs> so, no. I just uh, I love the idea of what we're doing. We can't yeah. we cannot affect the influx of people in North Idaho, but we can be a positive influence on what happens because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Same thing happens in Spokane, Tri Cities. I'm from Tri Cities. That's like that's like a bubble beyond bubbles. Like is it? Um, it is ins- it is insane how little is affected in that area from. Um, major what's what's the draw systems. to the Tri City? Why are people moving there? got a number of things we got 300 days of sunshine we've got uh five or six golf courses um we uh we have we have a continental climate so we have four seasons beautiful fall a beautiful spring but not nearly as much precipitation in the winter as even two hours north in spokane so my girlfriend lives in spokane and uh and i live in spokane half the time and i'm living in tri-season building a house down there right now and i can't tell you how many times i was like oh it's you know december 17th it's gorgeous it's cold outside i can see my breath but it's it's, it's gorgeous and she's like well it's it's overcast and snowing here (laughs) so i think a lot of it's that economically um i can only speak from uh just looking at it from a kind of an uneducated perspective from we had uh, a lot of people come in um, due to uh, um, projects that were government related Um, hanford is uh, just northwest of tri-cities uh, if you're unfamiliar with Hanford, um, is a nuclear power reservation. We oh. enriched 93% of the plutonium and uranium that is in all the atomic weapons in America, uh, just very just south of here. It's, really? it's uh, yeah. So uh, a very proud moment for us uh, during the you know the cold the Cold War and that kind of stuff. You know, John F. Kennedy came down and talked in Richmond, Washington, back in like 1962. Um, but uh, that you know it's not necessarily as much everybody now says oh it's hanford that's keeping this alive hanford only employs hanford and all the the you know the people that uh the companies that the private enterprises that help hanford i think it's about twenty-five thousand people don't quote me but it's right around there uh-huh. um so we got three hundred and seven thousand people in this in the in the valley and so those twenty-five thousand aren't nearly as important as the people that came from the generation before that that ran Hanford and the generation before that that ran Hanford and everybody else that started building enterprises around to support those people. So, a lot of medical, a lot of agriculture, um, and uh, lots of sunshine. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. So you're building a house out there? I am. Um, is that uh, for you personally, or is that an investment? It's me personally. Yeah. Okay. Building my forever home. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so is a girlfriend moving? She is. Yeah. We're coming down and, and uh, she's uh, deserves some major kudos uh, for putting up with me. Um, I'm building a 3,200 square foot one bedroom house. Oh God. And, uh, now granted there's room for improvement. Uh, if we ever decide <laughs> to throw have some, some kids, walls, for I kids. can throw some walls up, but it's literally going to be a, a large, uh, a large master uh, with a large ensuite, uh, master bath, and then a couple of bathrooms situated, and then a very large open area with a uh, 3,200 square foot shop underneath. So, oh, that sounds we're, fun. We're being weird. I'm being but, weird. So She's it's a shop following. house. It's a what? Is it a shop house? It's a shop house. Okay, so you yeah. got a shop under you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daylight basement, and uh, the entire basement oh, is going to be, be cool. a shop in the garage. Nice. So. Yeah. That sounds like a fun house. It's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's a, uh, um, a, uh, a wonderful person for following along. <laughs> <laughs> When's that going to be done? Uh, it should be dried in by October. And uh, I'm hoping to, okay. I'm kind of a weirdo, so I want to run Romex myself and, and uh, I want to trim the electrical out myself. I like to add about twice as many breakers as you actually need. And, yeah. and basically yeah. every single electrical outlet is going to be a home run. I'm just kind of a weirdo when it comes to stuff like that. I don't want to have like a really nice, strong electrical system in the home. So I'm going to do all that myself. And then I'll bring an insulator in and a drywaller in. And then hopefully, if all goes as planned, I'm going to have the entire extended family for a big Thanksgiving feast. Right so on. that's my goal. So <laughs> wish me luck. Running Romex. That's so. Funny. So most of the flips I've done, 
I, I don't usually do anything, but I'll come in and do electrical work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's fun. But it, it's, that's the fun work for me. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll take care of that. We'll save some money. Two peas an electrician. <laughs> How could you pay somebody a hundred bucks an hour to run around there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, what, where do you see, where do you, what do you see, um, for the future for you? And like, so Montana, you're going to go and you're going to try to get Montana as a state. You mean the future for me with Broadmark? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I gave my boss my seven-year notice about a month and a half ago. Oh, okay. Told him I, uh, I want to do this notice. for seven years, and uh, I'll retire at 45, or I'll move into being a developer or something like that. It was more of a joke than it was serious, but um, you know, the more and more I thought about it, I like the idea of I've uh, been here for four years, so that'll be uh, just a touch over a decade. Um, you know, between uh, you know, 10 to 12 years with Broadmark. Um, I, uh, I really respect the system and I want to grow Eastern Washington and the state of Idaho uh, to the potential that it deserves. Um, you know, uh, Jeff and Brian uh, built this, this company uh, on, uh, on the Seattle region, the Western Washington and, and Pacific Northwest. They went into Portland pretty, pretty early, if I remember correctly. I'm not too educated on exactly where they went. Um, but. Uh, it, you know, and they came over and did some loans over here, but I think that by having me over here and potentially somebody else within the next five years, we can, um, you know, we can be a, a really positive influence on new construction and development projects here. Yeah. And so that's basically my, my goal. Um, I, I like to be here. I don't want to be anywhere else. I uh, was offered Boise. Um, Brian's going to get mad at me for saying this. Sorry, Brian. Um, you know, but I said, great, yeah, I, I really want Boise. I'd like to do that. And he's like, great. So you got to leave Eastern Washington and, and, and move to Boise. Yeah. <laughs> I go, oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm not. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, Eastern Washington and Northern Idaho. That's my stomping grounds. And I believe in it here. Yeah. I don't know if I could do this job without believing in it. So I believe in what we do here in uh, Coeur d'Alene, uh, north of Coeur d'Alene, Sandpoint, Hayden, Rathdrum, um, west obviously to Spokane, Liberty Lake, Spokane Valley. My grandmother lived in Spokane Valley my entire growing up on South Blake. Um, I, still, I can think of her little tiny green home with a one-car garage. That that garage that was all one piece? Uh-huh. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Like it came out like this. It was this really weird thing where if you were standing in front of the garage and somebody opened it, you could get like kicked onto your tush. Yeah. Sometimes they have the big um, dangerous springs. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, the crazy <laughs> ones. Right. Um, I, I love it here. I love Tri-Cities. Um, I love Pendleton and, and Hermiston and, and Prosser. Um, this is my stomping grounds, and I wouldn't leave it. So that's my goal process for the next seven to ten years. Okay. You know, maybe I'm longer than seven years, but uh, I, I'd like to see this place. I'd like to be a part of the growth here, and uh, like we said earlier, be you know, if we can't stop the growth, we need to be a positive influence on the growth, and that's yeah. my goal: is to be a positive influence on the growth, um, take part in the projects that make sense, um, not you know, hopefully by uh, helping um, you know guys like you doing a three a three single family residence project they're going to do five next time and seven the time after that and however you want to do that right yeah um guys that make sense that think uh, very common sense worthy and, and introspectively about what their society is um are going to kick out the big the big crazy developers from other uh, other you know states that that want to just throw something up because it's going to make money I think guys like yeah. you and me should focus heavily on, yeah, sure, we need to make money. I understand that. But we also need to add to the culture of the society of, the, of where we live. Yeah. And that's what I love about um, there's not many builders in this area that really kind of take that extra little bit of care. And so it's mostly all just about profit. But Absolutely. Like, um, I really like, like what Greenstone does. Do you know yeah. Greenstone? <laughs> Absolutely. They'll build a neighborhood. Yeah. It's not just throwing lots up at... Yeah, or it's not just throwing houses up on every single lot, but like they'll have plenty of paths, parks. Right. Like they they really try to make it nice. Just to make sure um, I, I follow you, Greenstones, Kimball, uh, Kendall Yards, right? Yeah, they've got they've got yeah. a few different. They've got some Post Falls, yeah. Coeur d'Alene, yeah, but they do a lot in Spokane as well. Right. But for the most part, from what I've seen, and those those are unique. Those are like what neighborhoods used to be. <laughs> right. That's um, a really and good it way seems like it. the majority of the spec neighborhoods that come out these days, um, it's just on a prairie and you have land and that's it and some grass <laughs> and vinyl fences. Yeah. And it's just, there's no character. It's cutting corners. 
Yeah, and it's not real family friendly at all. Right. Um, but it, it'd be great to develop something like that someday. I, I, I envision myself putting together neighborhoods like that. I love that. Um, um, you're literally preaching to my heart right now. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I want to. So the majority of our audience, they're they're most of them. They just flip houses or uh, own rental properties. Right. Or they want to. Right. Do one of the two. But do you have any general advice um, for those? It's kind of somewhat seasoned investors that have never done any kind of new construction projects before or development that want to get into it. What kind of general advice do you have for the people that um, they'll probably just not learn until they get into it, but they should really be aware of? Sure. Um, taking a step out of my dad's book, cut the headaches, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so everything's a headache, and the more and more you can work with somebody. Um, from project to project, whether it's your lender, your framer, your windows guy, your roofer, um, keeping those, uh, you know, it's all about relationships. Yeah. So stop worrying so much about the bottom dollar and start thinking about how, you know, you can carry a crew with you from project to project. That's something I see a lot in home in flip homes and even in new construction, smaller new construction projects. Okay. The second thing I would say so is don't do focus not over so much on the cost and just what you're gonna make and what you're gonna be able to duplicate. Yes, uh, think about the long-term picture. You know, mm-hmm. when we were nine years old, when I was nine years old and throwing a temper tantrum about something, my dad would sit down on one knee and go, are you gonna remember this when you're 20? <laughs> and the answer is no, right? Because <laughs> yeah. even when you're nine, you're like, I think I know what it's gonna be like to be when I'm 20, and no, I'm yeah. not gonna care about this. So think about every single project as a way to make yourself look better in the next project, not a way to make yourself the most money in this project. A lot of hard money lenders out there gave guys like me a bad rap because I'm sure you've heard these terms. You know, you're only as good as your last project. You know, that's something that I've heard with you know from glassy-eyed um, hard money lenders that aren't really trying to create relationships. It's the guys that create relationships. I met you through Thomas Citron. Yeah. He's a guy, he's a hard money lender out of Spokane that, that created that is very, very, very headset on, uh, on creating relationships. And that's what you do. So my advice to people out there that are either looking to or are early on in getting something going um, or keeping going, uh, you know, keep those relationships. Make sure that your ethics and your character play a huge role in everything you do. Yeah. Um, so now that that's being all said, you have. Right. <laughs> that being said... Yeah. Sign contracts. Mm-hmm. Don't shake hands. That's another thing. Don't ever shake hands and just pretend no hands just trust no. people. You know, Robert Frost said good fences make good neighbors. You can bring that into this. We can all be friends as long as there's something in between us with it that's on a piece of paper that says that I'm going to do what I'm going to do and you're going to do what you're going to do. And that's a legal thing that makes us both sleep at night. You yeah. and I have a, a friendship and we also have a business relationship with many, many documents in between us, correct? Oh, yeah. Right. So <laughs> that means that we're covered. You're never going to look at me and be like, I wonder what he's doing behind the scenes because you've already looked and rest, researched, sent documents. We've already done all that stuff. That's something that people th- don't think about. They want to, yeah. you know, so there's a middle And they might have contracts with their partners that they're getting into a project with, but they sometimes, I know I've, I've been guilty of it a lot. I hire contractors to do jobs on flips or handymen. You never really do anything. You don't have a signed around contract with them at all. Right. But I would imagine when you're building houses, <laughs> doing it all. Even if you're flipping, um, make yeah. it easy. Make it easy. You know, I lent I lent a couple of guys I know thirty five hundred bucks. It's not because I was really worried about where that money was going, but because I see a lot of a potential in those um, those two gentlemen who are going to be building my home down in Tri Cities now. But the first thing we did was I lent them thirty five hundred bucks. That was nothing to me at the time. But I wanted to give them a piece of paper that showed that I, I respect them as a business person, right? So yeah. here's a piece of paper that says that I gave you a loan. And and there's no interest on this loan. I just need we just need to have this interaction between us because you guys need to get used to the title company if you're ever gonna be a builder. Right? You know? <laughs> title company's gonna be handing you papers all day long, right? Yeah. So I think that's a really good thing. Um, the other thing is that uh, don't over leverage yourself. Don't get greedy. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of people they you know, they, they got their, their one lender, and they, that lender funds them two flips. And they thought, God, but there's another great deal. I found another great deal this morning. I'm going to go to my lender. Lender says, well, I can't. I'm not going to fund another one with you. 
So two's only. So then they go find somebody else to fund it. Yeah. Right? Now they've got another lender on one, maybe two. The first lender has the other two, but then there's this other screaming deal and they go to their second lender and the guy's like, dude, you already got two with me. Everything's going to be fine. I just, just get these done. I'm not going to lend you another one. So they find a third lender. Yep. This is like a disaster. And then they start getting second liens on everything. With if other anybody lenders. thinks that's if that's good, <laughs> then you need to go find another job. Yeah. Don't don't. If you think that's a good idea, don't do it. You know, make sure that um, when you're paying interest on money, it's the it's a necessity, not like just a perk. Yeah. You know? I fund big multi-million dollar projects all the time, and one of the first things I have to do to get those projects funded is I have to go to the developer and go, gosh, there's this $230,000 developer fee that's built into your pro forma, and who, who does that go to? And it takes me about three days for them to finally say, me? And I go, so by borrowing $230,000, you're literally only going to make this much money because you're borrowing money to pay yourself to do a job when you're the one that's going to make the money on the end anyways. Uh-huh. You know, so you see what I'm saying? Yep. So be careful. Like, that's a good thing to say is just don't get greedy. Yeah. Just do it the right way. Don't try to get paid off of a loan. Do it the right way. So the, the last dozen or so deals that I've done, um, and I don't know if this is the most financially responsible way to get it into a deal, but I, I usually I don't I don't usually buy a, into a deal unless I can get it 100% financed um, because it's a you know it's thir- has 30% equity in it right sure. from the start. But I always want to make sure I have enough money in savings for when things don't go well. Sure. <laughs> and I always make sure if if I'm doing three projects, I want to have three sets of savings for when things don't go well. Right. Because I always dip into it. <laughs> like. A, almost immediately like on this project we're working on now i mean i said i only had 15 into it i did initially under the land but i've already got like 40 into it with all the pre-construction costs that you think (laughs) exactly so it's always good to have a little bit i i feel like whenever you're working in real estate projects try to keep as much in the bank as you can because you're gonna you're almost always gonna need it absolutely absolutely Um, and you probably shouldn't do a deal unless you can get it 100% financed, but don't go crazy and t- bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with you in some ways. I, I wouldn't say 100% financed. That's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, that's a way to get it done. Um, obviously, I'm going to argue as your lender to borrow as little money as possible because that's you know the, the less amount of money that you borrow, the less fees and interest you pay. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be patient and wait six months to get the amount of capital needed to only borrow this much, and you guys did that. So you say that that's the way you do it, and maybe that's the way you do it with flipping houses. That's not the way you did it with my loan. You guys came in with the land free and clear. I mean, that was like a major reason why I could speed load that whole thing. Yeah. It was because you came in with a, a, a very large amount of equity in that project already. Yep. A lot of guys come to me and go, man. Matt, I got this great idea. It's a great deal. Build these houses. All I need you to do is buy the land, fund the construction, and help me sell them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. So what are you going to do? Because if I'm going to do all that, why don't I just buy the land? Why would I? Why would I give yeah. you all the profit if I'm going to buy the land? I'm going to fund the construction. I'm going to work with the developer. I'm going to get everything done. You guys bring. You guys brought in a, a very large amount of equity into that project by bringing the land in free and clear. Right. And maybe and, I should rephrase what I what I mean by getting at 100 percent financed is I, I get it 100% financed creatively, not with just one loan. Sure. Um, but I usually have partners. Yeah, there you go. In everything I do. Um, but that's, maybe I should rephrase that. I have partners that also help, or I have a rental house that has a lot of equity that's my partner. There you go, absolutely. <laughs> that I can cross collateralize. It's all about collateral. Yeah. Finding things the smartest way to do it. Partners are a really good way to go. Um, you guys are, are a great example of that. Don't get a partner to fund the whole thing because then they're going to ask for 20, 30, I've seen 40 and 50% mm-hmm. of the equity down. So whatever the other, you know, oh, hey, you know, Nick, I want to come in. You guys want to build three houses. I'll fund the whole thing. I'm not going to charge you in your interest or fees, but when you get done, whatever you get in profit, you just split with me. <laughs> yeah, I see a, that all the that's time. That's a big chunk. Right. That's and a if you're, way bigger and that's, chunk. if that's the only way you can do it, 
Absolutely. Get and started. if they've done it before, get started. And it's your, your first deal. Door. And if they have experience, I would jump on that. If you like them, but a partner yeah. is a marriage without the sex. Exactly. Remember, <laughs> a partner is unless you're lucky. A partner is a marriage without the sex. And so think about anybody you partner with. It's not just somebody you think you can get along with. It's somebody that you vetted, drank beers with, had arguments with, and you know you can get along with. And mm-hmm. that's the partner for you. And then you, yeah, you get started like that. And then eventually you graduate to getting a loan. And then those people can turn into your equity partners um, for just the cash in you need to get those loans. And so with you guys, you know, you guys were talking about, you know, here's this going on. We're looking at, you guys bought lots outright at mm-hmm. a premium. Now you're going to make a, you know, you're going to make good money, but take those th- same three lots that you bought at a premium um, you know, and uh, and imagine if we could buy, you know, buy a piece of land, develop it into five lots, and get the same amount of money per home that you guys are getting. Now all of a sudden, you're starting to think with, you know, we're starting to cook with gas, right? So we're like, yeah. okay. So I bought those lots at a premium. I got it done. I made this great relationship with your builders, North Star Construction. They're they seem like incredible people, um, you know. So we got all this done now down the road let's go okay what if we what if we find a piece of land by that and then Broadmark can fund the development and construction you know everything's a numbers game we got to make sure it works right but mm-hmm. um, that's the cool part about it is you get to like kind of step up as you go smartly calmly no hurry and don't over leverage I agree but leverage has really helped me over the years. It's <laughs> good. Over leverage. I've just, key. Uh, but you don't got to treat it like a loaded gun. Yeah, don't leverage. I didn't say don't leverage. Don't yeah. over leverage. You know. Right. Over leverage is. I feel like. Over, like you're you're taking too much. You're you're taking beyond what you can safely get out of it for. Yeah, if you absolutely. need to jump, if you need to dump, if you need to dump a property, um, that that's what I always look for in a deal before I jump in. Could I get out easily and sure. still make money? Yeah. If I had to get out easily, could I get out if six months from now the economy starts taking a dive and still be okay? Like that's how I make my decisions usually. Um, and I, you gotta have backup plans too. What would this rent for if I couldn't sell it? There you go. <laughs> and what would my mortgage be on the what I'll be all in? Absolutely. Uh, you know, after yeah. So you, you got to have I, I, two or three backup plans. WCS, what I've said it for years. Worst case scenario, every time. Always calculate your worst case scenario. If you mm-hmm. think for, if you think everything's going to happen on a sunshiny day every time, you're going to get burned. Yeah. Because sunshine doesn't happen every day, right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Yeah. And leverage is important. We all need to leverage, right? Now, I mean, there's people out there. Obviously, my whole job is built on people having these great ideas and not just not enough to get the deal done, but enough to get the deal going. Go find a good financial partner and get it done. You know? Yeah. You know, one of the things that Peter Mayusi, my head underwriter, which I would not be here without him, um, and uh, and he's, you know, with all intents and purposes, my partner in crime with this whole thing. Um, he says, uh, you know, you know, we're not a great, we're, you know, we're expensive debt, but we're a cheap partner. Because yeah. <laughs> we do everything that a partner does and more because we've yeah. got 400 You're betting loans. the deal. Yeah, Peter's <laughs> been doing this since uh, 16... Peter, if you're listening to this, I don't remember how many loans you've done, but he's done hundreds of loans for Broadmark. Try to go find a, a partner that's going to do, that's going to come in and do the kind of uh, heavy lifting that we do, and have the same advice and the same experience that that we've got. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of what you know what you look for in those situations. I I couldn't agree more because I've I've done I've gotten a lot of hard money loans, and I always look at them as a partner. That's not as expensive as a partner. Right. Right. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to do it without them. I mean, I might, but I might be over. I mean, I might be, if I just dip into my bank account and buy this property cash. Sure. What happens if an emergency comes up? Right. <laughs> you know, I just, now I have all my money in this property. I don't see, I see that as more risky than just getting a loan. Right. Which is where relationships come into play. And, and mm-hmm. always check. And you've heard me say this in front of your whole group. Always, always, always research who you're borrowing money from find out how many uh you know how many times they foreclosed on somebody find out what their reo number is real estate owned reo is a nice way of saying foreclosures right if they own real estate and they're a lender they own the real estate because they foreclosed on somebody yeah so So why did they foreclose on them they wrote a bad deal product they wrote a bad deal (laughs) or or they have a bad borrower i've seen both i've never seen a bad deal with broadmark but i've seen a bad deal with a lot of other people 
and I've seen bad borrowers in both places. You know, I'm dealing with a bad borrower right now, and I got forty thousand bucks tied into a, a deal that is a bad borrower. But that's why you make sure that your collateral systems are fine. Your, you know, everything's going well. And you know, worst case scenario, I gotta go, go ask the court systems to, you know, to figure this whole thing out for me. But that's the least. That's the one thing that nobody wants to do. And if you find anybody that says, you know, hard money is easy, just give me an address and I'll give you a, write you a check. Yeah. Be very weary, right? Because if they're not giving you the third degree and if it's very, very easy to borrow money, there's a strong likelihood they're planning on owning your property. Yeah. So you want it to be a little bit annoying. You know, <laughs> Peter and I are annoying. Yeah, you know, it can't be all too Our easy. first loans yeah. are annoying a little bit because we want all the questions answered. We want to know if you've thought of every single thing. And the reason we're doing that is because we care about our, our borrowers and we want to make sure that every single, every time we ask them a question, we want an answer. Well, you care about your investors too. We care about our investors. I know, sure I know another have. lender in the area that they don't care as much. Right. And they'll do a loan if they can push it through. Right. Because they get their broker fees. And then all the risk is on their investor, and that's it. And if they lose that one investor, they'll go find another. I probably know exactly yeah. who you're talking about, who shall remain nameless, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. I want to say it's so bad. Yeah, Not me gonna. too. <laughs> <laughs> Spokane? Yeah. Downtown? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. you know, look for somebody that's uh, playing big brother. If you're a lender, yeah. look for somebody that might be like, God, I want to roll my eyes at this guy three times because he's asked me the same question three times. I've already handed him that information or heard that information. Yeah. But the cool part is rather than being frustrated with somebody that's asked for it three times, go, man, they are really, you know, she is dead set on having that information before she closes this loan or however that works. That's, a, that's good. Yeah. That means that they're looking at your best, you're looking at the, your bottom line and saying, I want to make sure that you know, Nick and Tyler that do this or that, you know, Robin and Megan do this or, you know, other people I've worked with. I want to make sure they got this handled. I want to make sure they, they're going to do well because if they don't do well and we end up owning that property, it doesn't matter how I do financially. I'll lose 10 times more in the bad, in the bad talk afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, and I also don't ever want to do that to anybody. So, right. Yeah. So if somebody, if somebody wants to go get a loan with Rob Mark and they've never built a house before, and let's just, can we throw an example out there? Sure. What about, and I know this is going to vary per, for anybody, but let's say somebody has some experience, a little bit of experience, maybe flipping houses or owning rentals. Um, and let's say they have, I don't know, 50,000 bucks in the bank. Sure. Um, could they potentially build a house if they, if they were able to find a good deal on a lot somewhere in, in North Idaho or Spokane? Yes. And, um, and have a contractor partner to kind of help them out. Like what, what, yes. what are some of the expectations that Broadmark would have? Well, it's not just 50 grand in the bank. It's, it's bringing the lot in outright plus 50 grand or something like that. So the 50 grand in the bank, we'd, we'd never touch, but we want, we want to know that somebody has the ability to save money. So mm-hmm. I'm only 38 years old. I'm not going to like, you know, go crazy into what I've got around you know in the in the bank or anything but i but i I built you know my dad was over leveraged my whole life bless his heart sorry dad uh (laughs) but he was and i as a result i'm 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 fearful of leverage now i'm okay with borrowing money but i borrow once i pay it off yeah i'm liquid okay great let's do it again i'll borrow is that borrowing money for assets or liabilities anything Okay. Uh, just, I just don't. So je- dead I'm, in general. I'm more liquid than most people you know. You know, I, yeah. I like a car. I want it. Oh, it's that. That's what the price is. Okay, let's look at the smaller one. Oh, I can write a check for that one. I'll buy that one. Okay. You know, it's just it just is who I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but other people aren't always like that. But my my goal is is to look at like um, leverage is really important. So if you wanted to build a house, great. One by yourself. You've never built a house before. There's some questions I want to answer. Who's going to be? Who are you asking? You know, who are you, who's your framer? Who's your roofer? Have you thought about this? Um, the, the, you know, it gets a little convoluted. So a less convoluted answer is if somebody has never built a house before, I would say, let's go buy two lots and then go buy, you know, go hire a general contractor and get that done. You know, you and Tyler, it's a great example. You had the, the cojones to figure this whole thing out. You went out of your way to figure this thing out. You found everybody. Well, Tyler, this Tyler brought done. the deal. I just helped him figure it out. <laughs> Tyler brought the deal. Yeah. Neither you or Tyler have built a house on your own, right? Nope. You guys ever Tyler's framers? A, nope. 
Okay, right? You, well, you guys roof? No. Okay, right? But <laughs> who else signed the loan? Your operating yeah. agreement has a general contractor in it. Oh, yeah. That's how people mm-hmm. do it. So you guys only have three. That's, you know, I could probably get two done. I got two done in Kennewick and uh, Well, we have a fourth March. one. I don't know if we told you. A fourth house? A fourth uh, one that we're building, yeah. We haven't asked for the money yet. Cool. But we, we have so one you that did we're tie that lot? Yeah. Good. Yeah, good, it's, good, I, think good. It, I think it's closed. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Good. So then so, you need a fifth and a sixth, and we'll do a, a second loan of three houses. Yeah. You need another 300 grand if you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me find it. <laughs> okay. Is it the somewhere in is, that billion-dollar fund you got there? <laughs> somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. The point is you find you do it right. So if somebody's looking to, to bridge the gap between flipping and new construction, um, which may be a lot of people listening to this podcast, um, is called is it, is it a podcast? Uh, Investor Shed Podcast. Investor Shed Podcast. Yeah, I named it that because I built a shed in my backyard for, to do a podcast in. I love it. And um, <laughs> it wasn't quite big enough, so it's just my office there that's never used. It has a little bar. <laughs> it's just not not big enough to like have. Yeah. I love it. But this... This office works great for now. <laughs> great. So, you know, yeah, the, the, the idea is build your system slowly. Don't ever try to shoot the moon, right? Especially in our industry. That's how people lose. Everybody's scared in real estate investment because everybody knows somebody that lost a bunch of money. The people that lost a bunch of money got greedy. And, I, and, I, and if, if somebody's listening right now lost a bunch of money, I'm, I, I, I don't mean it's just you. There's exceptions to the rules. But there's, you know, there's something that happened. Yeah. Because, you know, my dad was trying to build a couple of big fancy houses in 2008. It was, it was I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the word greedy, but he shot the moon, right? He, he figured out, uh, he want, oh, I can make more money on two big houses than I do on two small houses. But two small houses would have sold in the end of 2008 and two big houses sat yeah. Long enough to, to, to put them in a really bad position. So if you if you're looking to bridge that gap, if you're a real estate investor that's maybe a real estate agent that's looking to get into flipping or flipper flipper looking to get into new construction, nice and slow. Go find a general contractor that'll build it for you, cost plus. Yep. Or or bid it out. Sure, I understand you're not gonna make as much money that way as if you do it the other way. You know, settle down. Stop trying to skip you know, skip gears. You don't go to, you don't go from first gear to third gear. Yeah. You go first to second to third to fourth. So let's make sure we're not skipping second gear. Second gear is if you want to go build some houses, find a general contractor that's going to build them for you. I will close that loan all day long. If that general contractor has a bit of a resume and I can prove that he's, you know, he or she uh, is, uh, is doing a good job and can get these homes built. I don't care who the guarantor is, as long as they've got a little bit of financial strength and they're willing to come in and, 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 and get this thing figured out on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually that person gets to say, you know what, uh, during loan two, I was building these two houses. I went and got my general contractor's license. I've seen four of these got built. I've got this as my roofer. This guy's my framer. This lady's my windows lady. Um, you know, I've got a roofing lady. All these things yeah. going on. Now all of a sudden, boom! Guess what? Now, now they get to stop paying a general contractor to get their own houses done. Yeah. In Idaho, I think it costs thirty-five bucks to get your license. Plus, you got to have insurance. It's creepy. Yeah, it, general yeah. contractor's <laughs> license means nothing. But you, by, by having a general contractor do it, that's not necessarily what I'm looking at, but there, I'm going to immediately ask for a resume from that general contractor mm-hmm. and addresses of, of, of homes built and sold. Yeah, right? homes built and sold. <laughs> that's a if good they thing. handed me a list of 10 homes built and I said, now hand me a list of 10 homes sold. And they, and there's, there's holes nothing, in the ground. <laughs> that's, that's a rough deal. Anybody can, yeah. you know, you know, can take three cars and make one. It's hard work. You got to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gen- contractors have a tough job. Absolutely, uh, good contractors have a tough good, job. Yeah, regular, you know, like you said, you know, you can go. I can go get a general contractor's license in a weekend, but you gotta, you gotta put the work to it. It's mm-hmm. a very odd system that we have in the, in in America that you can just get a GC license without any history. I know. So, so almost as easy as getting a real estate license. Almost. <laughs> just, just joking. <laughs> Barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, any any other advice to um, investors out there that you want to give? Um, reach out to people that know more than you. Yeah. 
Mark Twain once said that the best thing I ever did was surround myself with people that are smarter than me. Smartest thing I ever did was to surround, maybe it was Einstein. Anyways, the point is, is that if you're being smart, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Um, make sure that you're not trying to make decisions off the cuff. Uh, make sure you're getting, you know, good advice not listen to your friends. Um, no advice at a bar is worth anything for the most part. Um, you yeah. know, do it right. Um, be slow. Um, be, um, be ready to make a small amount of gains. Um, understand that your first two houses, if you break even, that was free education. You didn't lose money. Yeah. You know, even if you broke even, and you, a lot of people feel like, oh, I lost. I'm so bad at this. I, I broke even on my first two houses. No, you didn't. It's better than a loss, and you got education. You went to college for For free. the rest of your life, you can drive by that house and be like, I built that. Exactly. I spent <laughs> three or four years, three and a half years paying off my college tuition, right? Yeah. If you're going to build a couple houses and break even, and you learn a boatload in the process, that is an incre- that's an incredible endeavor. Now you're going to say, great, move on. I don't have any debt because of those houses. Sure, I didn't make a lot of money, but I get to now build two houses with all the information I learned from the first two that was free knowledge. Mm -hmm. Think about it like that. That's the best advice I could give anybody. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Shed Podcast. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel for instant access to all future episodes. If you or someone you know has investing experience or stories to share, reach out to us in the comments or via email.